directing Shakespeare Symposium, Working the Text. On April 28, 2001, Louis Sheeter sat down with Deborah Hecht, Ralph Zito, Mark Lemos, Onifida Lampley, and Boris MacGyver to examine the importance of text work. Hello, I'm SDC Director Walter Bobby, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Because this program was not initially recorded for the purpose of broadcast, it is not of the highest technical quality. Portions of the conversation may have been edited to improve the overall quality of the broadcast. Well, the actors are at hand, so let me begin uh, by um, uh, introducing uh, the panel to you. Um, uh, on my right is Oni Hadid Lampley and Boris MacGyver, and they're going to be working on text today, both with uh, the uh, uh, text coaches uh, and with the directors on the panel. Um, and to my left, uh, we've got Ralph Zito and Deb Hecht, and to my immediate left is Mark Lemos. And I think it's really great and interesting that Mark is here, because not only does he direct Shakespeare, because very few people just like Shakespeare, but he directs plays that deal with very complicated language. I would say most recently, Tony Alice. And uh, I think one of the things that is of immense value in dealing with language and dealing with words is that uh, what we learn from Shakespeare gets applied not only to Shakespeare and Jack Dean plays and classical plays, but to uh, plays by plays of Edward Goldie, plays of Mac Wellman, uh, we can go on and on and on, and I just wanted to make that point. We've heard a lot about the text this weekend, some of it contradictory. Some people have said, like Libby Apple, the text is it. Okay? Ming yesterday said, it's all about actors. Uh, Mickey yesterday said something somewhat contradictory. Oh, the difference between prose and verse, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we, we also heard the statement that words, oh, words, they're a limited form of storytelling. Um, those are quotes I was taking down the time of the um, I guess you could imagine uh, what side of the fence I come down on. Um, it's all about the words. As far as I am concerned, it's all about the words. It's all about language. And most importantly, it's about how to embody the words. And the people that have to embody the words, and I use that word embody uh, quite purposefully because it, it isn't, we're not here to talk about talking heads. We're not here to talk about uh, elocution. We're talking about embodying language, which is, well, how I live and how I think most of us live. Uh, and that's why I think it's great to have these actors here who uh, are kind of flying, flying. Uh, they've been given a couple of uh, pieces of text. And the way I'd like to structure this is, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go about and we're going to begin with Deb and Boris working on speech with the aunties. Uh, and then we'll have Mark jump in and talk about the director, uh, vocal coach, actor relationship and how that triangle um, works and what, what perils there are there, what dangers there are, and most of all, what advantages there are uh, to that sort of collaboration. Uh, then we'll on and um, we'll have Ralph um, uh, work with Oni on a Paul piece and we'll repeat that process 
if we've got some time at the end, if people are interested, I might like to jump in and do a couple of verse exercises as well that might be slightly different take on some of the information we've heard this weekend. And then we'd like to open it up. This is a pat, going to be a pat down in 20 minutes. Uh, and then we'd like to open it up and uh, maybe get into some questions about scansion, pornography, uh, the verse itself, and uh, because some people have expressed fears not only about Shakespeare, but about some of the technical nature of the language, and begin to address that and suggest where you might be able to, to go for more information about that. Okay. So, um, I think without further ado, uh, Okay. <laughs> Stan? say quickly is that, that what I what I do with, with actors depends. Uh, it depends on what I hear in the first read-through, and it depends on what the director is looking for, and it depends obviously on the individual actor, as well as on the, the text at hand. Um, sometimes when I go into a rehearsal, I, I don't really know, uh, if I don't know the actor, I don't know what I'm really dealing with, or what their level of experience or expertise is, so sometimes I'm flying blind just the same way the actor is. So I'll just have them get on their feet and sometimes walk around them and say it once or twice and then begin to hear what they're doing, all right? Now, I, I know that you have worked on this a bit or that you know that's the so. so we'll do a couple of things. Um, the first thing I'd like you to do is just a little bit, can you move any of this? Oh, yeah. A little bit more. <laughs> yeah, you can just move it back. The back? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think the first thing I'd like you to do is, is just, an, and again, this is not first step. This would be, say, the second, possibly third step. Um, is just walking a straight line. I want to start back there. Um, and I know uh, something that um, Libby talked about was the difference in punctuation from one edition to another, from the folio, etc. Um, the folio, of course, is also just an edition since we don't have any immediate, you know, first-hand Shakespeare writing. But what I'd like to do for now, and punctuation, by the way, is used differently, obviously, in Shakespeare's day than it is today. I think it's somewhat dangerous today because I think we connect to punctuation in a more literary and visual way. Um, but I, and I think the actor has to find the sense of what they're saying and where those changes happen from the size of the image and the thought. But for our purposes, we'll make use of the, um, the uh, punctuation just as a guide. So what I'd like you to do is just walk in a straight line, right? Just walk in a straight line, say the piece out loud, but you're going to change direction on every single punctuation mark. Uh, that's in this text? Yes. Okay. To your own bets dispose you, you'll be found with it. <laughs> you beneath the sky. I am angling now. Though you perceive me not how I give mine, go to, go to. Good, 
Tempt and clamor will be mine now. Go play, boy, play. There have play. Have been, or I am much deceived, cuckolds there now. And many a man there is, even at this present. Now, whilst I speak this, holds his wife by the arm, that little thing she had. Arm, that little thing she had been excused. Good, that was good. Okay, right. So, what about that time? Uh, it adds to uh, the quickness of the thought. Okay. How does it make you feel inside? <laughs> so that it begins to reveal something about Leontes, about yes, what's, yes. what's going on inside him. The fact yes. that it, there are a few times where the thought is continuous, but there are a lot of times where, where it is like that. It is revealing some something inside. All right. Now, what that... What that does, how you act that, how you justify it, is your business. Okay? Yours and the director's. But that is part of what's on that page, to, to be effective. By, all right? Um, I'd like to do another thing, all right? Same thing again, only this time you're going to whisper. Whisper? The entire thing, except for the, the what is said to the child. Go ahead and see if you can do it, continuing yeah, to change direction. Right impulse. Uh-huh. So the only thing you have are things that are to get out. 
know how I get lying. Go two, go two. And she pulls up the man with him to him and arms you with the fullness of a life. You're not allowing husband. Gone already. Inch thick, knee deep, four headed ears and fourth one. Go play, boy, play. Go play, boy, play thy mother. <laughs> Go play, boy, play. My mother plays, and I play too. But so disgraced a part whose issue will kiss me to my grave. Captain Clement will be my now. Go play, boy. I have been, or I am much deceived, couples here now. Only a man there is here in this present. This horse is my wife. I think she has been sleeping in his absence. But his pawn fished by his next neighbor. Lies. His neighbor. Hey, there's comfort in Also, the men have gates. And those gates open as mine against the will. Which you all despair. And have revolted wives. Attempt of mankind. But hang themselves. Physic for it, there's none. I will strike. But it is predominant. And it's powerful. Think it. From east. West, north, south, it included the barricado for a belly. Note, will that in and out of the enemy, drag and baggage, many thousand arms, have the disease and feel not. Hello, boy. Good, good. Of a wife, to her allowing husband, gone already. Cheers, Captain. The first word of each line is that. Inch thick, knee deep, 
or head and ears of four corners. Playboy, play. Thy mother plays, and I play too. But so disgraced a part, whose issue will kiss me to my grave. Content and clamor will beat my knell. Go play. Boy, play. There have been, or uh, I am much to see, cockles here now. And many a man there is, he is present. Now, I speak this, holds his wife by the arm, that little thinks by, little thinks she had been sluiced by his, in his absence, and his pawn fished by his next neighbor. Why, sir, smile, his neighbor. Nay. Wait, hang on a second. Okay? Yep. Okay. <laughs> now, what is, what's happening inside you? Uh, I'm getting me riled up, having a breathing go, and this kind of engine fuel. Uh, do you feel more oxygen than you normally do, do you think? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. What about the notion of the end of the line and then moving right on? Uh, Trying to make music. Both those things. This, uh, this, it was just uh, interesting to remember it. Boom, 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 boom. I'm not going to speak in full sentences, but. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 it's close like that. <laughs> Do you notice anything about the sounds? What felt small, what felt big? Uh, no, I, I was not really. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't really. Okay, that would be sort of the next thing that I would go on to work on. The difference between where the consonants feel active and where the vowels feel active, for example. One of the things that I find very interesting about this man at this point is that you get things like inch thick, knee deep. Uh -huh. It's whispering nothing. Uh -huh. It's whispering oh, yes. nothing. It's leaning at you. Do you know what, what words are, have little tiny closed vowels? Unlike, for example, when you say, go play. Go play, go, go. It begins to open up. Little so it, yeah. it slips in that little things. Yeah. Now, they, in terms of the speech, the, the diction aspect of it, which I think is important because of its visceral connection, is why there's an F in the word "fuck you." You know, there's a lot of fighting in that sound. For example, that the consonants. I mean, it's said that the consonants tend to give your speech meaning and clarity. To me, they feel like frame around the picture, and the vowels tend to be more open and reveal the emotional life inside. And there's often a trail of those sounds. There are times, however, when the consonants are quite definite and strong. Tyranny. Go. You know, they, they do something. So it's the combinations of looking at that whole layer of the text as well is very important, because of what it tells you. Does, is this living in the vowels? Is it living in the consonants? Does the action feel like it's releasing itself in the vowels? Does it feel like it's releasing itself in the consonants? And of course, eventually, how do you make use of all these layers that we've been taking apart and then just let it work on you and play the scene? That's ultimately where you're going. It seems to me you have to take the time to break it down in any number of ways mm -hmm. so that you begin to find what's there, not just intellectually, right. although that's part of it, but viscerally, so that you begin to put it in your body and let it feed you, which is certainly what began to happen when all those changes were going on. Why? Because that's probably some uh, textual revelation. It's, it's the symptoms. The symptoms are in the text. The symptoms of the character, the symptoms of the action, the 
symptoms of the situation, the clues for your detective work are, are in the text in many, many ways. So I guess that's what I was going to start
I am angry now, though you perceive me not how I give line. Go to, go to, good. So you have them, those gorgeous I sounds, sky, and the next one starts to decide, I am angling to A's, now, sounds, and it's, it's coming just, just 10 beats after found, so we have found now, so you perceive me not how I give line or that I, and then this incredible Go to, go to, so that you have this, the power of those monosyllables. After all of that, sort of angling out, angling out, bum, 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 see? And then, and then that's followed again by Cleopatra, how she holds up the to right, two H's, how holds, how, and one of the things that's sort of interesting to work on, and this is just really for homework, we wouldn't do this in front of anybody, um, but you would maybe do it, I would talk to them and say, no, let's just work on consonants or or, you know, something, uh, where you, you, you fixate on the emotional, the emotional, uh, uh, the sound of an emotion. You know, the build to hit, those little eye sounds. And treat the whole speech as if you're speaking almost in a foreign language. Don't worry about the meaning of the words or the meaning so much of, of a phrase. This is just the very first laying on the canvas, everybody hanging out, looking at poetry. Um, you've all been cast because you're perfect parts. <laughs> but just to get this sort of soundscape that will be the sound of this play and the way the author will vary the sound from moment to moment. So you have that in your arsenal too, that you, you know as Polixenes and Hermione, you've got to set up this kind of clean lawn first so that then Leontes can come and trash it with these consonants is jerked up first in Shakespeare. Brilliantly, you know, he just, he just takes it, twists it apart. And what was so amazing when you were reading it with Deb, you know, I thought it made total sense. It just made total sense. You know, because I suppose you were thinking about your body a little bit, also because you, you knew what you were saying. But I'd like to kind of pull away from the senses and make the, the sound of it mean something actor so that there's a sense of, of of music that you can hold, that you have in you, you know, these beautiful sounds. So that there are, because there are going to be stretches, maybe 30% of the night, 30% of the performance, where really the audience won't know the sense, won't understand or follow the sense. And in those cases, the sound and the emotional, the emotional connection to the sound is what will carry the moment if you don't wish to rewrite it. I'm totally in favor of when, when, you know, rewriting those bits that are that are that are unclear in modern years, um, as long as they stay in the iambic. Just and then and, and, and it can be a kind of game for the actor because then after doing this first five or six lines together, the whole company, then you know everybody starts looking for internal rhymes, like to her allowing husband, 
and the H's, her with the boldness of white, the F and the H sounds, and what they do to sort of take the air out of an idea. Inch thick, as Deb pointed out, this clot of thorny consonants, inch thick, knee deep, or so he follows with knee deep, or head and ears of fork, running with or one, then this constant sort of terrifying repetition of go play, boy, play. Um, and that's how we sort of start to start to work. Because the actor knows how to act. He knows, you can tell, I mean, he knows what this is about. So I'm trying to get to a sort of deeper level where he's not only playing the part, but but kind of inside this extraordinary music the play. Ultimately, then we'll come to a place where art and uh, art and meaning bring the dead to life. You know, and so the whole process of being an actor inside this verse can lead or ought to lead in this great last quartet of romances lack of a better word, these unclassifiable, you know, revelations of depth of art's potential. Um, the actor is burying that miracle right from the beginning of the play, no matter what to play, because he's starting to create the sound of the whole, creating this miraculous sound. So it's okay with me if, you know, people say, I, I don't quite understand everything, but you got it, it's really up, you know, you do understand it. So that's sort of how I would start. Great. Let's move on. Um, uh, Ralph? A little bit of work on the lineup. And uh, Okay, so I just to echo something that Tab said at the beginning, what I do in any given circumstance depends on what I'm confronted with. So, you know, the actor is, like, have I worked with them? Have I worked with the director? What's going on in the room? So, why don't we just, we, we, why don't we start with you plunging in? I mean, have you, how much, where are you with the speech? Have you... This is the one I'm least familiar with, more familiar with than mine, but this one makes the most sense to me except for one line. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, let's do, so then, so then the model here is that we are working on a very early text coaching session or... I might be hearing you around where you might be at a first reading. <coughs> three, oh, three, three, scene two. Yeah. What is that? Check. Oh, no, three. I'm sorry. No. We're doing the line of five. One. Ooh, sorry. Oh. Which one did you want? Oh, I, I was doing one. three. Two. I was and thinking three. Who two. is that? Uh, Paulina, one study torments. Oh, yeah. that I wasn't asking to care about. Oh, okay. What would you like? Mr. Hermione? Oh, God. Still my thunder. Well, would you be brave enough to just I punch in three two? Yes, she is. is. Thank you. I can only afford one book. So this is Paulina at three, scene two. About 
collapsed and been taken off. This is in the, this is in the end of the trial. Oh, okay. But I'm not, this is not visiting her in jail yet. And this is, no, this is well after. Okay. Yeah. This is where we Do you want to look? You, look at it first. Look at it without yeah. you. Want, look it over. I want you to do it cold. <laughs> Do you guys want to be, while we're doing that, can we address this issue with collaboration? In the collaboration, or any questions about um, the collaboration between uh, any dangers, any fears that you're turning, you're directing over to a global coach or a text coach? Yes. What do you listen to? In the actor? What are you listening for? Um, a sense of a sense of uh, of the text uh, of being at ease with text. Um, a sense of the text not only being about meaning but about sound. I like actors who sort of revel in the sound they make and uh, and. Don't let that sound become the overall, you know, focus of their work. That it's not just about meaning. You know, the text is about it's about something larger than just meaning. That's better. Can I add something to yeah. that? Um, I also think that the the, uh, that the text. Let me said this on Friday night. The text is so strong that it will take you as an actor, I think, into certain places. Uh, I. I think Shakespeare is easy to act in the sense that he's given you everything on the page and in the text. I think what's difficult is is the willingness to, first of all, let go into it and and trust that wherever you're being taken is 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 safe, is okay. I mean, I remember once working with an actor who uh, who did that. We did some work on a piece and then he did that to the table as a matter of fact, and and just sort of this was in Henry V and fell, literally, began to be taken over, in a sense, by the text. And everyone that's sitting around the table got sucked in. All the bodies began to lean in. And this actor got about three quarters of the way through the, through the speech and stopped and said, I have no idea what I'm saying. And everybody went, no, 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 it's because something was happening as a result of Shakespeare beginning to work inside him. And that actor would never go back and do Never. And, and I think part of it is one has to reassure the actors that they really will be okay, that they have to ride the wave the way the wave wants to be ridden, not the way they want to make the surfboard go, which of course they need to crash. Too many actors want to want to put their stamp on something. They think that that's what they are supposed to do. And what I'm always telling actors in a Shakespeare play is that there's no way you couldn't put your stamp on them. There's only one you, one voice that sounds like you, one person has the, those ears, that hair, those legs, that background. So yes, listen to 25 different recordings of, of Hamlet before you do your own, because there's no way, even if you try completely to imitate Paul Schofield, you won't. Something else will happen inside you. It's the actors who try to make their Iago different from all Iago. They're, you know, try to make it unique they're suddenly not letting the verse make them unique. It's, it's a question of total relaxation in the verse. 
and, and realizing that if you if you just figure out what the clues are that are popping on the page, you have millions of them. You can only choose so many. Boris can only choose the ones he wants in that speech that are going to serve him and get you know get things across. But once he trusts that, it, it honestly starts to be very very simple. In many ways, far simpler than a naturalistic act of choice, say, because you're you're in this elevated place. I teach uh, this weird class I was given at the University of Michigan of opera singers doing Shakespeare monologues. You can't imagine how, no, they're not, they're not actors. But you can't imagine how much more beautifully they give themselves to the speech than the kids in the theater department do. And they make much more sense because they just see it as music and understand where the birds are and speak it. Here's this chubby little girl, never in a million years cast her as Juliet. She's too old and all of that. She moves you to tears because the verse is simply, you know, gotten inside her. And she doesn't, she's, she's so used to dealing with serving a composer, if you will, that that's the only way she can sort of, you know, she just handles some vowel sounds. And my God, you're weeping. You know, because there's not that other thing that very often an actor will try to bring to it, which is overly personal. It's funny. Other than that, the only other thing I would throw in that, into that equation is that one of the things that happens, that I find that happens a lot with actors, is that uh, they, they have a sense that if they give themselves to the form, that they're going to lose spontaneity yes. in the moment. Yes. And and, that, and that's a real issue, and that's also one of the things I spent a lot of my career doing is as a teacher and as a coach, helping actors now, you know, walk that line between the form and the spontaneity. And what I what I found myself saying a lot over and over again, well, you know, well that gee, that pause is really odd there because you're breaking up that image. And they'll say, Well, yeah, but I'm trying, you know, trying to find it. Like, okay, good, are you trying to find it? There's actually a better place in the verse for that pause, if you're going to go looking for that image, look for it in the turn between the ends of the lines, or look for it before that word, or, you know, so that I think it's also important to, you know, to help actors, especially if they don't have, if they haven't done a lot, um, or, you know, or if they're still wrestling with that, to, to also give them the power to say, you know, this is not about your having to have everything pre-planned, right, to be so, uh, embedded in the structure that there's no room for something to happen in the moment. I mean, it's again, to use the music analogy, it's like you've got to be a really good technician with the music to then be able to sit down and play. And you know, trust that it's going to happen. But also I find there's a lot of more in that I, I would add to that too, but I think something that's very difficult for us today, across the board, is that you know we, we live in a world of headlines. We tend to think the size of the headline or we reduce everything to its initials. And Shakespeare's thoughts, Shakespeare's images, not imagery, but the, the images inside the speaker's existence, often are much, much, much bigger than ours would be today. And I think that's also what is simply difficult for, for a lot of actors to sort of wrap their minds around, not to mention their their, their inner selves. And that is a, a, one area that has to be done and fit that within the structure it can be liberating too because 
once you realize that there are no transitions in Shakespeare, that in fact, one thought flowers out of the inside of another statement, you know, the exhilaration the actor feels, finding that, you know, that, that he doesn't have to sort of pause and think and turn a corner, that in fact, one idea suggests another, suggests another. Listen to that speech of jealousy. I mean, there's not one second where you can really stop the flow. And, and the thoughts are entirely different. But yeah. if, if you go, go with the end of the line, it's a, uh, it really leads you to something because you realize, oh, I can't stop here. My, my psyche wants to pull me out of this. And there's this and this. And yeah. Very true. And there, the, 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 the image would, would, would necessarily, in today's world, stop in the middle of the line. But it doesn't stop. The line keeps going. And to go to that, you suddenly realize, oh, this and this. It's really great. It's a good thing. You know, and didn't you feel yeah. when he was doing it with Deb, you also have this great thing with Shakespeare, and I think you have it with all theater. That the actor, you're sort of also admiring the actor. The actor is playing something, you know, and giving you this performance. And you, you, you while you're suspending your disbelief, you're also admiring the technique, and the music, and the beauty. You know, that's a real part of the theater. Um, that combined with this endless flow of sound, which is why in productions, you mustn't stop, you know, as directors, you mustn't stop a scene, you mustn't stop a scene at its end, because the end of a Shakespearean scene is really the springboard to the next scene. So if you stop it and haul on Juliet's balcony, you stop it, and bring on, bring on, bring on whatever, the army for ages before they speak, you're actually stopping the play in its tracks. Film does that with Shakespeare. Because it's purely, it's living purely in a verbal place. And one scene will fly into the next scene to the point where you must, you must make the audience say, I'm going to, I'm going to render all of my sensual needs mute except for the oral for a minute, you know. And suddenly the play is living inside the actor's mouths and their psyches in sound why pauses in Shakespeare are so devastating if they really land in the right places, because when the sound stops, life stops or turns the corner or drops dead. Let's go mm -hmm. to what uh, is great. Okay, we'll get back So, plunge in. Uh, stand, stand, sit, whatever makes you happier at this moment. That. And uh, just start. What studied torments tyrant has for me? What wheels, rats, fires, what flame, flailing, boiling, in leads or oils? What old or newer torture must I receive, whose every word deserves to taste of thy most worst? The tyranny, together working with thy jealousies, fancies too weak for boys, too green and idle for girls of nine. Oh, think what they have done. And then run mad, indeed, start mad, for all thy bygone fooleries were but spices of it. That thou betrayest, that thou betrayest Felicity's was nothing. That did but show thee of a fool and constant and damnable and grateful. Nor was much that thou wouldst have poisoned good Camillo's honor. To have him kill a king, four trespassers, more monstrous standing by, whereof I reckon the casting forth to crows thy baby daughter. To be or none or little, though a devil would have shed water out of fire ere done. Nor is it directly laid to be the death of the young prince, 
whose honorable thoughts, thoughts high for one so tender, plucked the heart that could conceive a gross and foolish sire, blemished his gracious down. This is not no late thy answer, but the last, oh lords, when I have said cry woe, the queen, the queen, the sweetest, dearest creature, dead and vengeance for it, not dropped down yet. And as a voice and speech coach, you go, well, if I could get an actress who could take five minutes with his speech and come in with this at the beginning, <laughs> I guess I should give back part of my fee. But, uh, <laughs> so uh, for the sake of it, let's just, I want to go to the other end of the spectrum. So yes. let's go away from, the, given everything we've talked about in terms of the sound and going kind of that way into the first, let's go towards grammar, arc of thought, yes. meaning in a slightly different way, okay? So, uh, only look at that, the first couple lines there. And we have, you know, lists, right, which show up all over Shakespeare. So we have this list near the beginning. Yes. But now, do you see, if you look at that, that each of that element, each element in that list is part of the question, what blank passed for me? You see, she says, what studied torments tyrant passed for me? Yes. Then you, add, then you have this list of torments, well, wait, right? Yes. So now what I want you to do, I want you to go back, and I want you to start again. What study torments tyrant passed for me? Then I want you to ask, what feels tyrant passed for me? Yes. What, and just go through that whole list, substituting each of those specific torments back into the first question. Yes. Am I making sense? Yes. And then once you've done that, I want you to go back and just do it and then do it as writ yeah. one more time, okay? Yeah. And you don't, don't, you don't have to push it, just the, the point here is just to get in your mouth, in your body, that specificity yeah. of those asking, the, those questions. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so nice and easy for what study torments. What study torments tyrant has for me? What wields tyrant? Passed for me. What rats, tyrant, passed for me. What fires, passed for me. What flailing, 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 flailing. What flaying, tyrant, passed for me. What boiling, tyrant, passed for me. In leads or oils, tyrant, <laughs> passed for me. What? Now start again. What study the torments, tyrant, passed for me? What wheels, rats, fires? What flame, flame, boiling? In leads or oils? Now how does that, what does that do? How does that feel? What does that set up Oh, it, for it, really, you? it really, it just, it just helps me. I have time to hold the picture of what I'm saying. I'm saying wheels for a specific reason, and I'm saying rats after wheels for a specific reason. And so it just kind of slows the Right. Great. So I just ask you to do that whole thing one more time, mm -hmm. just the, and, and in, in both halves of it, to ask each of the specific questions and then to go back and go through it again, just to become, just to take it, become more familiar with it. Yes. Try it one more time. What study torments tyrant has for me? What wheels tyrant has for me? No, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Uh -huh. you go back, uh -huh. don't let the fact that you're repeating tyrant has for me let you devalue those words. So, okay, yes. Each of these questions is new. Brandy. Each of these questions is as specific as necessary. Got it. Okay, so don't 
Yes. Don't throw that away. Yes. Yeah? Really ask it of him with each one. What studied torments, tyrant, cast for me? What wheels, tyrant, cast for me? Good, I've got to specify this even further so we so we do just just to do something visible with it. Yeah. That's, that you can do with your with your with yourself with the book there, right? Yes. Yes. So stamp your foot on each of those tortures. Yes. And shake your fist on each of those half tyrant tasks for me. You know, we all do it. There are eight voice exercises, and all, all, all of us do them all the time. So, there you go. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Twelve exercises and a lot of mirrors. All right. <laughs> what studied torments, tyrant, has thou for me? Torments, Tyrant, right? It's oh, both of those. Okay. I mean, or it's, it's part of one thing, right? What, what studied torments, Tyrant, hast thou for me? What, what deals, Tyrant, hast for me? What facts, Tyrant, hast for me? What fires, Tyrant, hast for me? What playing, Tyrant, hast for me? What boiling tyrant has for me? In leads or oils, tyrant has for me. What study torments tyrant has for me? What wheels, racks, fires, what flaying, boiling, in leads or oils? Yeah, so you see where this is going to go. <laughs> I mean, and that's one of the things that, you know, it functions as poetry. And, you know, as we all learned in our first lit class, you know, we have novels and short stories. He said that poets are the poetry of the most compressed language. So you get to ask that question with each of those words so that the list stops being just a list, but it becomes a series of questions that you need to ask. And this kind of rhetorical structure happens all over in Shakespeare. And it happens in the reverse, too, where sometimes you'll have a whole series of, of questions that will lead up to one answer at the end. And then you can do the same sort of thing, which is to ask the question, and where does it go at the end? Ask the question, where does it go at the end? Ask the question, where does it go at the end? And then just sort of take yourself through the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. OK, so I want to skip a little bit just okay. to look at something else. Because Deb started to do a little bit of it uh, in terms of uh, verse structure and line endings, OK? Because this is. You know, everybody who gets anywhere near a Shakespeare play has a different point where, you know, one of five different opinions about how you deal with the line endings. And the verse, you know, do I pause at the end of the line? Do I poise at the end of the line? Do I move through the end of the line and go for the arc of the thought? And, you know, and I say, well, you know, you do what floats your boat in the production on a, on a but. This is where I, this is, let's look at, uh, there's a great section of, uh, to, to do this on in here. Um, it's a little bit further ahead. Go to, it's about 194, only notice it directly laid to the, the yes. of the, and read that section, not worrying about where the verse line ends, just for a moment. Just go for the thoughts, try to make the, questions or the, 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 the statements as clear as possible, as if 
as if this were written out in prose, as if you were just, let's just look at that. Okay. There are several other things that we do. From North? Yeah. North directly made to be the death of a young prince, whose honorable thoughts, thoughts high for no one, for one so tender, cleft the heart that could conceive a gross and foolish sire, blemished his gracious death. This is not, no, late Diana, but the last, O Lords, when I have said, cry woe, the queen, the queen, the sweetest, dearest creature's dead, and vengeance for it not drop down yet. Good. Take that one more time. Just take it from the nor to the dam. Yeah, because I got lost. I get lost. Okay. All right. So just take it through there and again, where it just as if it's frozen. And if you want to stop yourself and go back, yes, that's fine. Nor is it directly laid to be the death of the young prince, whose honorable thoughts, thoughts high for one so tender, cleft the heart that could conceive a gross and foolish sire, blemished his gracious death. Okay. That, that feel clear to you? Is there yeah. anything you Clef want to ask? the heart me? is his heart. What's that? Yes, uh, is the, the heart of the, uh, the, the, heart of the prince. Yeah, the yes. young prince whose honorable thoughts cleft his heart. Right. His heart that could conceive a gross and foolish sire. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's that's we're not looking at we're not looking at the verse structure there. Now let's look at the verse structure. Okay. So what I'd like you to do now is to I'm gonna I'm using a very specific word. I want you to pause at the end of each verse line. I want you just to pause there. If I say that to you, what what happens? Already? No, it's already already. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or already. Nor is it directly laid to the death of the young prince, whose honorable thoughts, thoughts high for one so tender, cleft the heart that could conceive a gross and foolish sire. That could conceive a gross and foolish sire. Limits his gracious death. So now what comes up for you there? What's good, bad, indifferent? Uh, what, uh, I've, been, I've been told that I'm supposed to take a breath before I begin the next line, and as I'm taking that breath, it's You've been told that before me? Or? Yes, by all sorts of people before I met you now. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that wasn't your interpretation of what I meant when I said no. take a pause no. at the end of the line. No, no. I, you know, I train, my training tells me if I'm pausing and breathing and all that, but it feels like an obligation and it feels like the breath doesn't necessarily want to happen. Okay, great. Well, that's, I would agree with that 100%. I think as soon as you start, deciding where the breaths go and specifying that they have to happen at the end of the first line, I think you may as well go home. Because I think what makes characters distinct from one another is the length and the length of their thoughts and the specificity of their thoughts and how they put those thoughts together in a moment. And that in life is directly connected to the way that we breathe. So that as soon as you start saying everybody's breathing at the end of the line, then you flatten out the, the all the characters, a lot of the characters. But, so let's just go, let's go another step here, all right? What I want you to look at now is uh, get to the end of the line and then look at the word that's at the end of the line and ask yourself, and we can just sort of talk this through first, talk to the person we can do something about it. Ask yourself, what word in the next what one word in the next line does that word at the end of the line point to? Okay, what 
if, if that word at the end of the line is something crying out for completion, I chose this section because if you look at the thought structure of it, the line endings come in the middle of complete thoughts all the way through here. There are places where the line ending is the end of either a complete thought or, or the end of a phrase, but here there's a lot of uh, overlapping between the, the, the thought itself and the verse structure, and that's why I wanted to work on this. Right? So this might think about what it's pointing to. What it's pointing to. So and we can talk that through. You can, you know. So just start from the beginning again. specific connection and use that as a starting place and then see where it takes you and then the director's going to have input on this as well, etc., etc. Et okay. More important right now is what happens when we begin that process of choosing and specifying. Right. Okay. So, nor is the director made to be the depth, prince. Now, take, start, take this next first line and see what happens. Of the young prince whose honorable thoughts. Now, what's the word that we go to the next line? Yes, whose honorable thoughts, what do I need to complete this thought? Whose honorable thoughts cleft, right? Yeah. And you see how much farther into the verse line that word is than the one before. Just, again, apropos of how characters think and how the rhythm how you can be completely metrical and have very different rhythm all the way through it. You know, meter and rhythm are different things. But anyway, continue now, back it up. Thoughts high for one so tender. Thoughts high for one so tender. Cleft the heart. Conceive. Right, I go for that. That could conceive. Right. That could conceive a gross, gross and foolish sire. Yeah, right there, right at the beginning, in a trochee, in an inverted foot, strong beat at the beginning of the line, verb at the beginning. Blemish is gracious down. That's okay. So there, here we go. So now, we're going to try a little physical exercise with this. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so what happens is, and this, and see, what, see where you go with it, you can take this as far into your body as you want to, which is simply, as I say the last word at the end of the line, and then I begin speaking and I let say the word at the end of the line, and then I begin speaking and I land. And am I landing on my word? You're landing on your word that you chose. Okay. Um, okay. Just see what you do. is have to do it again. Fail. Okay. Noise it directly makes me the death of the young prince. Okay, but I want, can we get that upward arm going? Oh, no, is it, nor, nor. Nor is it directly laid to be the death of the young prince whose honorable 
I don't know. Pretty readily available. Right. George T. Wright. W-R-I-G-H-T. George T. Wright. University of California Press, Shakespeare Press, Galore. Yes, sir. We'll start with questions. Um, I'm concerned that since I realize this is a simple exercise, I'm doing this, but it seems so mechanical and so seemingly devoid of feeling to how the person with uh, Hermione is feeling in her situation. And all of these elements, so if you're doing Arthur Miller, you can be directed to anybody who wants to answer. Mark, would you care to address that? Oh, now I'll answer it. <laughs> no, I mean, if, if, having do, doing these exercises, um, yeah, I can come in with as an actor with all these, this feeling of what, I, what my take on the text. But when I start doing exercises like this, when I'm reminded when I, when I, when I uh, work with them acting at all, or others who remind me of this stuff, it only adds another wonderful homework layer to all that stuff I already came in with. In fact, it's far more complex and wonderfully uh, knitted within what I, I've already brought to it. I, and yes, it, 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 and it is technical. That's fine. It should be technical. Because if you're trying to feel your way through these exercises, then you're getting away. I accept it as an actor. I think it's very important that it be technical. Because then that technique eventually will simply become part of what I have. Yeah, I think that the directors don't work on that level with your actors. You just deal with the sort of Well, it's the nature of actors to be emotional and to bring emotion to the game. So I, I'm assuming, you know, it's like it's like if you hire somebody to play the oboe, they play the oboe. <laughs> if you hire an actor to play Leontes, he has the emotional chops to do it. The oboe maybe going in the wrong direction, and whatever. And that's what they're doing. Right? Yeah, that's but, what. That's I, what they're doing. As a director, doing. I feel that sometimes the actors just don't get it for whatever reason. Well, they haven't seen it, or they've seen it out of context for the rest of the play. So they don't, don't get it in what respect? I'm not clear what you mean when you say that the actors don't get it. You mean they don't, don't get it in what's happening in a particular scene? Uh -huh. But and that's where the director comes in and says, "Well, this is really what's happening to the young or Hermione, uh, that kind of thing." Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like something that sort of gets in the way that you know, Well, that's what. That's what the audience, how the audience understands, right? The feelings that go on, how the automatic phrasing of how you're feeling. Remember, she's, she's walking through this group. She is under, um, she's being tried for treason or whatnot. Uh, right. I think she's speaking to all these people. She has a very strong purpose. Blah, blah, blah. I, that, is my, that is not my job to deal with as the voice of the text coach. We, none of us here, by any means, mean to suggest that what we've done is a substitute for the entire rehearsal process. This is one piece of a very complex puzzle. To go to the to the orchestra uh, metaphor, you would hire an oboist who knows how to play the oboe, and the conductor would keep everything uh, in in uh, in line. But that oboist also probably has a, an oboe teacher who he goes to and works out the fingering and the breath, and that's and that's really, and, uh, as I see it, one, the, where this fits in. Of, I mean, all of those things are true. She is, uh, those, those circumstances, what she's trying to do, that's not my field of specialty. No, I'm a voice and speech coach. I'm a voice and speech coach. What we're, what we're, I think what we're here talking about, just we'll, we'll go to another question, is that this is just another step in the collaborative process that we've been going through this weekend. 
and that the actor is a collaborator. And the actors aren't here just to demonstrate our vocal techniques, but the actors have things that they bring to the party, the chief of which is their emotional being. Yes, sir. Okay, two, 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 oh, I'm sorry. Second row. I, I wanted to follow up on this. You get very confused. Um, and I think it stands in the way of a lot of people approaching Shakespeare. Um, his question is a question that I think comes up a lot. Of, does the technical stuff get in the way of the work of the actor and the work of the director? And um, as you were addressing it, I just wanted uh, to say that it's that the, the directing uh, would still go on. The, the, the process between the actor and the director of discovering the scene and finding out what happens beat to beat in the scene would still go on in the rehearsal process. Not to misunderstand that this is a substitute. Great. Yeah. I have two questions. I have to both. One is I would love to hear 30 seconds on how you would work with actors on prose, how that's different from working with actors on verse. And the other is about the relationship between the director and the voice and speech coach. Just what's the ideal amount of time that you have someone in rehearsal? A, a coach would you try to have at all rehearsals at the beginning?
plan staging for the actor, where that boy is, what's he doing, what's happening in the battle throughout. Well, the boy is a kind of mirror, isn't he, to the father. You know, the father is, we're, we're sort of seeing a possible, before we, we know that the child is going to die, we're seeing the possible effects generationally of this kind of behavior. Does the boy have these genes? Does the boy know this about his mother, sense something about his mother? So there's a, it, it's definitely a two-person scene, and ultimately, what Boris and I would discover is once we get the boy in rehearsal, the whole dynamic. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because and we have to really allow the kid to start to suggest what he wants to do in the scene, wouldn't we? I mean, it would really be a question yeah. of the three of us together, sort of figuring it out, and who knows what you come up with? Is, is the child completely still and dumbstruck? child sort of being physically manipulated by Leontes? Is there is there anyone else on stage that the child can relate to? Are there toys? You know, what's the setup that you... Does he go play? Does, Does he, he not play? Does not he stop play? play? Yeah. What, yeah. Again, what, what, what movement clues, which right. beyond the purview of this... I didn't see that's a real challenge in that, yeah. that speech. Since he yeah. dies, he may, the whole scene may be about watching the progressive degeneration his health, watching his father, sensing his father going through something terrifying. The second thing is in to Paulina, Paulina. Uh, she says boiling in Leonard Oil, is she getting cute funny suddenly? Uh, uh, she suddenly she seems to change that whole tone. Well, I, I think the answer to that is going to be based on the acting attention of the actor's choice, but I would say leave the irony at the door. Personally, I do it with, with young actors in rehearsals. I mean, we spend, I teach them to scan and then I expect them to do their work. Do I do it with them right at the first rehearsal and say, this is, this is how I think about this? I think you'd like to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't just say it that way, Breathing a little bit better when they 
get when they get more comfortable. So I won't deal with that. You know, but is that but what can I just absolutely not deal with in the four weeks? And then I focus on that middle part. Oh, there's an issue here that I think I can help with, and I spend some time on that. And that's really tricky because you have to work with the actor yet not undermine the actor's confidence. The last thing you want, you know, to make an actor feel in their first coaching session is that they don't have the equipment necessary to do the task that's in front of them. You have to find another piece of I, I would add to that, and I think this is going to maybe affect your the next session about casting. If you have the opportunity to choose a trained actor over an untrained one, please, I beg you, take the trained actor. I mean, I really mean that, because you will get so much well, um, we unfortunately are out of time, and our panelists have to um, move on to some voice and text. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographer Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.